Hi there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery. It's the podcast where we teach people how to make money while traveling the world. And we interview uh, guests from around the world. Uh, we, we've interviewed, uh, we did a series on Bali recently. We'll be doing one on South America. Uh, we'll be doing one in Asia, Africa. And we'll be interviewing uh, different type of people. People who do RV travel, people who do family travel, people who do cruising. Uh, people who do long-term stays, short-term stays, slow travel, fast travel. So you're in for a wealth of information on these podcasts. Today we have a very special guest. His name is CJ Singer. Uh, I recently connected with him on Facebook, uh, and I uh, found out about his uh, community he's built up for world schooling parents, such as myself. Uh, I'm a dad with three young kids under five, and we're traveling around the world for the last five months, homeschooling, world schooling our kids. And uh, through CJ's community, um, I'm able to connect with people in South America, uh, Central America, etc. Um, I was also uh, recently uh, a guest uh, of the week, <laughs> Home school, World Schooler of the Week. So make sure you check out that link uh, on CJ's website. Um, so how are you doing? And uh, So tell us where you are in the world currently, CJ, and how is it there currently? Yeah, so first of all, I'm doing great, and thank you for having me on. I greatly appreciate you know you giving me the opportunity to kind of spread the message about World Schooler Connect, and and thank you for the kind words about it. Um, so I'm currently in San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. So I'm about I don't know ten hours from the from the U.S. border. It is uh, pretty hot here, pretty hot, but nice and dry. So I, I can't I can't complain too much. The weather's been pretty perfect here all year. Wonderful. <clears throat> I happen to be in Croatia, in uh, Rovinj, oh, nice. which is the northern part. It's an hour ferry okay. ride away from Venice. Rovinj, okay. they're telling me how to say it properly because I still, after five days, can't say it properly. Uh, that's awesome. That's a good spot, man. I've spent some time in Croatia as well. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's gorgeous here. Yeah. And Ricky, uh, you must be in the Arctic Circle. Yeah, as you can see, I'm in the Arctic Circle. <laughs> That's why I'm dressed up in my woolies. Um, but if you're on the podcast, you couldn't see that. But anyway, I'm actually in French Guiana, which a lot of people have no idea where it is or what it's about. So let me give you a quick one minute of what French Guiana is. It's actually a department of mainland France in Europe. And French Guiana is actually technically part of France. They use the euros. It's part of the European Union. Uh, so it's, it's a very unique part of South America. Uh, as most of you know, most of South America is Spanish colonization, with the exception of Brazil, which was a post-Portuguese colony. But there's a northeastern area, which was actually colonized by the French, the Dutch, and the British. Um, so the British colonized Guyana. The Dutch colonized Suriname, and the French colonized uh, French Guiana. And this is a little pocket, which is very unique, and a lot of people actually just skip it to go to uh, Brazil, Argentina, Peru, Chile, etc. But we're really finding it very unique, um, being a part of the European Union while in South America. And we're, we're seeing French baguettes everywhere, we're, we're hearing the French language everywhere, we're, everything's in Euro, which is very, very expensive. For example, we're in this hotel, yeah. and it's actually 120 Euro, which is actually super expensive for uh, us as, as Canadians um, in South America, because we've been usually spending maybe like um, 50 to 100 uh, you know, Canadian or US, and now we're spending like 120, just for the cheapest level hotel here. So it's, uh, it's definitely wow. a hit in the wallet. Uh, but it's an incredible country because it's very unique. Um, and there's a space, uh, so I know I went over a minute, but a quick little last, <laughs> last little tidbit. Um, there's actually a space shuttle launch that happens in French Guiana. And a lot of the European Union, they actually launch um, the space shuttles, the satellites from here, because it's actually the closest space uh, station to the equator. 
Um, so they have the equatorial pull, which actually helps them launch into space at a much cheaper rate. Um, so there's literally a satellite launches every uh, couple of weeks, about once a month here. So it's an incredible wow. country, um, incredible area of the world to see. So I, uh, since I'm here, I want to definitely pump it out. But we're not talking yeah, about French Canada in this episode. We're talking about uh, world schooling. We're talking about CJ's experience in Mexico, why, uh, why he decided to leave the U.S. Uh, so why didn't we start with that? Tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and uh, yeah. why the heck are you in uh, Mexico of all places? Yeah, so, so I am, I guess I'm one quarter of the traveling chimps. And the traveling chimps are myself, my wife, and I have two kids. I have a, a eight-year-old daughter and an eleven-year-old son. Um, we started traveling in the beginning of 2014, so I guess we're three years in, three, four, I don't know, something like that. And primarily, we've traveled around the U.S. and Mexico using house sitting. So the, you know, we've actually last year I only paid rent uh, one month out of the entire year. And that is actually what brought us to Mexico. So we found a long-term house sit in Malaki, Mexico, or Villa Obregon, which is on the Pacific coast, um, probably about four hours south of Puerto Vallarta. It's probably the, the main city that most people would be uh, familiar with on that side of, of Mexico. Um, and it was, it was a cool experience, man. It was like a little, a little um, Mexican fishing village. A uh, lot of Canadians that live there. Although the Canadians were kind of not there while we were there, because we were we were there in the off season, uh, which also meant we were there during the heat. So it 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 was cool. It was great living on the beach. It became a slightly miserable just because of all of the the heat and uh, being wet and humidity all the time. And the other thing that happened there is there just wasn't a lot of of world schoolers around, you know. And there was nothing really for the kids to do as well. Like they don't they don't have any activity centers there. Uh, so there's no dance lessons or gymnastics or anything like that your kids could get involved in. So the whole time we were there, my wife and I kept saying, man, where are all the world schoolers at? So I would go on Facebook and put out, you know, a message here and there asking if anyone was in our area and nobody ever was. And my wife and I kept saying to each other, man, we need to like get a map where we have, you know, everyone, all the world schoolers on a map and we can see exactly who's where, when, and we can connect with them and send direct messages and whatnot. So that basically was the birth of, of World Schooler Connect. And we launched it in November of last year. Uh, what is it now, May? And we currently have uh, about almost 700 registered families on the site at this point. So for me, I've already met a couple of people uh, through the site here in San Miguel uh, that have become really amazing friends. So for me, the whole, the whole project is already worth it for me because I have these long, these long lasting friendships. Um, I don't know if, and I can't really see, I can see that people send messages to one another a lot, but I can't see the contents of the messages. So I'm not really sure, you know, I'm not really sure how many people have, have been able to connect on the site and, and, and form friendships and whatnot. I hope a lot, man, because I, I certainly have been able to. That's amazing, CJ, and I'm a little bit curious about the home sitting, and I'm wondering if you could go into that mm -hmm. in a little bit more detail, because I think yeah. uh, I'm doing a, a combination of things that's a little bit similar, a little bit different than the, than the trusted home sitters, for example, but right. uh, I think that a lot of people think, as probably we used to think, which was traveling is really expensive because, you know, it's $200 a night in a hotel, and blah, 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 and really, 
it's easy once you're, as long as you're willing to be flexible, to travel the world for almost nothing. That is absolutely that. That's a key term right there. Be flexible. Um, so we started house sitting in 2014. Uh, we literally had no expertise. We had no references or anything, but we were able to connect with some other similar families to ours. And I think we were, you know, connected well with them and they gave us the opportunity. So now we've sort of built up this resume of all these house sets. So that's always a little bit of a hurdle for people getting into the game. Um, and we do, we did use trusted house sitters. Um, initially we, we found our first couple of house sits through that site. Um, luck with that as of late, um, we were using house carers. Uh, that was our primary one, and that one we had a lot of luck with. We, in fact, that's the one that we found, the one in Mexico that was pretty much all of last year. Um, I will but say that it is that housecares.com. Housecares.com, yes, and I think it's like fifty bucks. I think it's fifty bucks a year, um, which is basically nothing. I always say that fifty bucks is like one night stay in a, in a, you know, in a in an okay or motel or whatever, you know. So for one night stay, you can you can basically, you know, for if you just get one night house sit, you've already paid for the thing. Um, so we've had a lot of luck with that site. Um, I will say though that that it seems like there's there's um, a lot more competition these days. I think because people like me are coming on these podcasts and talking about it. Uh, and then every time I bring it up, people like the next day, people are emailing me. What were the sites again? Can I go check those out? Um, so well, you saying the, being. Uh, um, so so you saying being flexible, that is key. You definitely have to be flexible you, it, and you definitely have to apply to a lot of them to get one. Um, I'm not even sure. I would say you have to apply to probably 30 of them to get one. Um, and 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 flexibility is, is key because if you if you say oh, I want to go to Berlin Germany between these dates that's probably not going to work out for you 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 might find an opportunity there but you know I don't I don't know how how well you're going to do in actually capturing it uh, so so flexibility and diligence in staying on top of them and applying to them regularly is probably the key to to to, to landing some some house sits. And, uh, you know, I'm really interested in this whole area of world schooling. I think uh, some of our listeners might have heard the term homeschooling, but there's mm -hmm. new terms called like unschooling, world schooling, road schooling. So maybe you can uh, familiarize um, um, the, the listeners with the term world schooling and uh, uh, focus on this uh, community you've built up called World Schooler Connect. Uh, tell us a little bit yeah. about the etymology and how it works. Sure. So, so we, I think we started off as, as homeschoolers, and I think a lot of people probably do go down that path initially. We, we took our kids out of school and started doing a cyber school, and we thought, you know, the term cyber, that sounds like IT and computers and, you know, everything's going to be online. And uh, I got home from somewhere, and there was like eight huge boxes sitting out in front of my garage door. So we bring them all in, we start opening it up, and it's just textbooks and science experiments and art stuff, and which was kind of cool. But I was like, man, I thought this was a cyber school. And there was a laptop and a printer in there. But then it it's really seemed like, so we, we did it for like maybe two months, a month or two, something not long that we did this. But it really seemed like the only use of the laptop 
was to sign in each morning so that you would get credit for attendance for the day. Um, and around the same time as when we decided that we wanted to basically sell all of our stuff and just start traveling around the United States to begin and start showing our kids. My, my wife actually hadn't seen a whole lot of the United States either. So we started selling our stuff off. We packed up all the cyber school stuff and we mailed it back to them. And then, then we hit the road and we started off kind of using the term road schooling. And my wife had, had created these, this binder of all of the states that we were going to drive through. She, you know, collected all this kind of facts about the state, like who's from there, what's the state bird, you know, what, what's their economy built off of. And, uh, and we kind of, we did that for months and then we, and, and then we, we, we got to Florida and we met, we were doing a house sit for another couple and they were unschoolers. So we started telling them kind of how we were going about education and they were like, well, you guys are unschoolers, but we had never even like, we didn't even know what that was. I guess we kind of weren't even really into labels much. So, so we became unschoolers. I, I, I guess we're unschoolers. We, we have now kind of morphed into this world schooler term, right? And, and basically what that means is that you use the world around you as, as your classroom, you know? So we, we go to Mexico city and we go through all the museums and we go to Frida's house and we like start learning about all these people. And, and, and then we use the internet to just Google it and learn everything we can about, you know, certain, certain people or animals or you name it, man, whatever the world throws at us, that's our classroom. And uh, by the way, guys, I'm just heading into this minivan. Uh, you know, the life of a digital nomad is that uh, we have to uh, head off at times unexpectedly. So I'm actually going to uh, head off into this minivan and head to the next place in French Guyana. And then Scott, uh, my co-host, is going to end off the interview. So uh, thanks, everyone. And I'm tuning right, out from French Guyana. And Scott's going to continue. All right. Thanks, Ricky. Awesome. That's a, that's a great story, CJ. And and it is really kind of funny. We, uh, Ricky told me that last night he asked about the times for the bus because he was concerned about our interview time. And they told yeah. him, oh, no problem, no problem. It's going to be hours from now. And, and of course, then today it's like, oh, no, no, last bus is at this time and you've got to be there, which, of course, was right in the middle of our, our conversation. Yeah. So uh, no problem. No big deal, man. I, I totally understand. Been there myself. So what made you decide to... Uh, to pull up your roots and uh, visit all these amazing places in the world. Yeah, so it started with a Google search. So my, my wife did a Google search for creative ways of saving money or something along those lines. And vagabonding came up. So we're like, what's vagabonding? We started looking into this term and it seemed like a really cool term because it sounds like, I don't know, it sounds kind of punk rock and like anti-establishment. So we started looking into that and, and different ways that you could do that. House sitting kind of popped up on the list as well as wolfing and a bunch of other, you know, uh, creative ways you can keep a, a roof over your head. And uh, it, it was just meant to be, I mean, within, I don't know, I'd say within a couple of days of us deciding to do this, we had already landed our first, uh, land our first house at, which was in California. We started our journey in Pennsylvania. So we drove, all the way across the country, you know, doing our whole road schooling thing and using our binders and as we went through each uh, state to learn about the states and whatnot. Um, cool. So that's how it began. It began with the Google search and, and basically we became vagabonds. So 
how long how long again have you been doing this since march of 2014 so, so what is that three um, and a half years something like that yeah something yeah. like that any uh any feelings about well i want to go settle down somewhere or i want to put down roots or full on this is the best lifestyle i could ever hope for yeah so actually at the moment we decided for this year that we weren't going to house it so we 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 came upon this this town here in mexico san miguel and fell in love with it so we actually uh, rented a place for this for this year at least and um until we're sick of it but so far we're really loving it here and it's kind of nice to have sort of like what we're calling a, a home base so we're still going to do a bunch of traveling and we 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 did just go to mexico city recently and we doing these little kind of local road trips here and we have some bigger trips uh scheduled for later in the year um so we're kind of just calling it a home base you know we're not we're not completely committing to staying here in fact it's a little bit weird because we we have this you know this nice house but we're kind of afraid to like buy anything to like you know we came furnished but it's still pretty bare bones but you don't really want to go spend a bunch of money on art and all these things you know because i don't know i don't know how long we're going to stay here but it right. is it is cool man it's nice it's nice having that the flexibility to just like you know what this sounds like a cool country let's just up and go there and and with with the kids education we don't we're not tied to any kind of school system or or uh, you know times of the year that we can travel or whatnot we can literally go wherever we want to go whenever we want to and that's a really good feeling you know I, I so how did you how did you decide on San Miguel San Miguel so so I'm in a um, I'm in a mastermind group a weekly mastermind group and when I started in that group the guy who was leading it was living here in San Miguel and we needed to do a visa run uh, back to Texas because we can only be here for six months at a time. Um, although I say only six months at a time, it's actually pretty nice that we can be here for six months because most countries are not not that lenient. Um, so we went to Texas to do this visa run, and we needed to go to Mexico City uh, for a concert. And San Miguel was sort of on that route, basically, from Texas to to to. Um, to Mexico City so we stopped through we stopped here for two days and our friends gave us like the grand tour of the of the city and by the end of the grand tour we're like dude we got to move here this is amazing so we went to Mexico City we went back to Malaki we had about one more month left on our on our house it and we went we finished that the house it and immediately came here to San Miguel uh, last November beautiful yeah, it's a cool, it's just a cool like Spanish colonial town. It, it looks like, it looks very European. It's very cool. Narrow streets, cobblestones, and everybody is just wonderful. Everyone's super nice here, and it, it's pretty amazing. Okay, we don't normally bring up politics, but lately yeah. there's been talk of a wall. Talk of, talk of that. I have a friend who lives in Philadelphia, and he said to me the other day, I am terrified to leave the United States. So mm -hmm. I want to take a moment and just ask you to kind of talk a little bit about uh, how you feel in terms of safety and your children's safety as you are yeah. in Mexico. Because I think that we get a lot of um, dramatic uh, interpretations of the situations in other places in the world, if I can put it that yeah. way. Yeah, I would really agree with that. that you know, and we, we left, we were here at the end of last year 
we always go back to Boston for the holidays. That's like part of our tradition. So we were back in Boston for December. We did a house sit in January in Florida, which is like a recurring house sit that we have there in January. And um, that was around the time that Trump was inaugurated. And we did start hearing some things, like you're saying, you know, but you just never know, like, what's, what's true, what's, what, what facts are being bent here. Um, so we, we contacted a few people as we were driving from Florida back to Mexico because we were a little bit concerned. We're like, are the, are the Mexican people going to, like, freak out on us or, you know? So we messaged a couple of people, and everybody was, just gave us the thumbs up. They're like, it's all clear, man. There's really nothing to worry about. So we got here. We got settled in. For the first couple of days, I'll be honest, man, for the first couple of days, I felt a little uneasy. Like I just, I don't know, felt, I don't know what it was. I don't know if I was like half embarrassed that, you know, that this guy was elected. Um, he's definitely not a, a popular person down here, that's for sure. Um, right. But within a couple of days, man, I had a, I actually sat down with my buddy's dad, drank some tequila, and had this conversation. And he's a Mexican guy. And by the end of the conversation, I'm like, you know what? This is this is crazy. Everything's cool, and everything is cool down here. And as far as I can't imagine, they're ever going to build a wall. I just don't. No. I just don't see it. You know. But I was at a restaurant the other day. And, you know, they always have these T-shirts like the Keep Calm stuff. So at this restaurant down here, it said, "Keep calm. You're on the good side of the wall." And I was like, yeah, I kind of agree with that. Definitely agree with that. You reminded me of when I so. went to Morocco uh, in January, just mm. a few months ago. And I was, as I'm looking at around and everything else, I'm trying to get acclimatized and I'm feeling really nervous, right? And I didn't understand at first what it was. And then I realized that everybody walking around uh, looked like the henchmen of the bad guy in all the bad, all the action thriller movies I've watched for the last ten years. Oh right? yeah, you know they just have the short hair and this that that look and, and similarly yeah. and in in uh, Bulgaria in particular I noticed that and it was just like like what is it with these and then I realized like it was these were the bad guys in the movies and my body yeah. was just reacting to that and I thought wow like what a subtle way of putting in you know fear of people in different areas right yeah. Yeah, for real, really for real. And there's, I just, I just, I think all of it's just unfounded. And and I don't, I don't know why, I don't know why the United States is always, they've always picked on Mexico. I mean, I kind of grew up on the, on the border of Texas, and you know, even back then, it was, it was always just like, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but it's, uh, it's super unfounded. So, can you give us some tips that you, or some advice for someone that's maybe thinking, you know, what I've you know, I've had, I've lived in this city for 20 years or all my life for 10 years and, and I would really yeah. like to explore the world, but um, maybe I've got a little bit of fear yeah. or some trepidation. Yeah, totally. I mean, just do it. That's, that's the bottom line is just, just do it. Commit to it and do it. It's super liberating. It is definitely, there's definitely some fear, um, especially when you leave the country. Not so much when you're staying in the country as much, but, but, uh, but I promise you, you'll be fine. Just power through the little bit of fear there, and when you get to the other side, you'll be like, you'll you'll just you'll you'll feel like, oh my god, why was I even like, why was I worried about coming over here? This is you know, completely. Most of the world is this fun, friendly, loving people. You know, like ninety nine percent of the of us are just want to get along, and we're all humans. It's you know the one percent that tells us that that we're at war. So overcome that one percent and just do it.
Excellent. That's what I would say. Uh, so do you have a place still that you think of as home, whether it's your hometown or some other place that you lived? Yeah, I would say Boston. Yeah, Boston. We, we go back to Boston. Yeah, yeah. So we, my wife was born and raised there. I spent a good chunk of my life there as well. Went to college there. All of my sports teams are the Boston teams. So yeah. that's, that's home for us, really, you know. The Boston Bruins, yeah. my second favorite hockey team, so. All right. Who's your first? <laughs> the Vancouver Canucks. Who, okay. who they right. beat for the Stanley Cup. They did. Yep, they did. I remember that well. Yeah, it was yep, a great was series. A mm -hmm. So was. do you find that every once in a while you, like one of the things that has come up in a number of our conversations is loneliness or, uh, you know, the emotional ups and downs of traveling, maybe frustration because you they can't understand you, um, yeah. language problems. How do you deal with any of those or is that even an issue for you? Oh, it's totally an issue for us. I mean, that not so much here, but when we were in Malaki last year, I mean, that was what that's what spurred the whole World Scholar Connect website was just our inability to find anybody really to hang out with. When we first got there, there was another Canadian family that had kids the same age as us, and we hung out with them like every day. It was great. They'd come over to our house and use the pool, and uh, and then they went away. And then we were just kind of left there. There was like, you know, there's just, there's no gringos in that town, especially that time of the year. Um, so it was, it was definitely a tough few months, especially on my kids, because there just really wasn't much for them to do. So, but that was a learning experience too. So now when we go somewhere, we ensure that there's activities there for the kids to do and, you know, yeah. things for them to get involved in. Um, so we now we're in San Miguel. San Miguel is a very unique city. So there's actually 60,000 expats here in San Miguel. Wow, that's so, a lot. So, yeah, and there's tons of stuff to do here. It's a, it's a big artist community, so there's just tons of anything arts, dance, music, painting, um, you name it, it's it's you're covered here. So my daughter's like she does a, she's in a circus class doing aerial stuff and dancing and um, my son's got a bunch of friends here, um, so it's it's a good spot, man. It's a really good spot. It's a very unique spot and very cool. So when you walk around here, you still hear you hear a lot of English when you walk around here, and we do speak a lot of Spanish, um, so we can kind of get by. But and that's actually the reason we speak a lot of Spanish, though, is because we were in that kind of secluded area for so long where no one spoke English. So it was either it was sink or swim, basically. Yes. So I'm actually kind of grateful for that. Um, here, you almost feel like you're cheating. It's like, you know, half, probably more than half of the Mexicans here speak English. So it, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting town. It's, it's, uh, it started out from the way I understood it, it started after World War II with the GI Bill. There was a, an art institute down here that the GIs were able to use their GI Bill here in Mexico. And they figured out that wow, we can go move down there and our dollar goes so much farther. We can like live like kings while we're going to college. And that's what started the whole movement down here. And then the beatnecks, you know, all the beatnecks, uh, Kerouac and all those guys, they started coming down here too in like the late 50s, early 60s. So it became this sort of like artsy commune basically. And it, and it just stuck. And it seems like there's just more and more people moving here all the time. And I meet people all the time that'll come here for like, a week and suddenly they're buying a house i've literally met three people that bought a house in like a week of, of coming here it's just a it's a very magical magical place you're doing a great job of selling it i can't wait to come and visit 
Yeah, definitely. You should. You definitely should. It's a good spot. Once, once I get through with Europe and Africa and Asia and Australia, I'll, I'm going to go. go to Mexico and I'm going to work my way down. I've spent a fair bit of time yep. in Central America and uh, Colombia cool. and Ecuador, but uh, that's cool. part of the world I really want to get to know. And I know well, what you about, mean about the yeah. language pr problem, right? Because yep. I've been learning Spanish because nobody spoke English, which was great right. because if they did, like where I am in Croatia, everybody's speaking English to me. Mm -hmm. I have no reason to learn the language. And so this is right. important. <coughs> Right. Yeah, so we're about 10 hours from the U.S. border and about three and a half hours from Mexico City. So it's central central Mexico, pretty high elevation. We're about 6,500 uh, feet above sea level here. So it's oh, wow. a little, you got to acclimate a little bit. Um, and it's so very is dry it here as well. there than it would be otherwise? Yeah, it, it really is. And, and this month is actually our hottest month. Um, and it does get pretty hot during the day. It gets up in the 90s. But it's pretty dry. There's not a lot of humidity, and um, and at night it drops down into the 60s. And this week it's going to be dropping into the 50s. So, and then I hear by next month, by June, uh, the rain will start coming in the evenings, and that really cools stuff down. So we're, I think we're, I think we're kind of getting to the end of the the hottest time of the year. Right. It's very pleasant, unlike the coastal areas where you can get the humidity and you can get high temperatures. Right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah I spent uh, six weeks in Medellin, Colombia, and it's 3,000 mm. meters or feet above sea level, and it's a perfect yeah. spring day every day there, and it, and it was great. Yep. But as soon as you go down to the ocean, and yep. it's hot and humid. Same deal here. They call it perpetual spring here. Yeah. That's same deal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. CJ, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day and sharing your knowledge with uh, me and with our listeners. Uh, if somebody wants to know more about world schooling, how can they get a hold of you? Uh -huh. So uh, we have a, a Facebook page that's World Schooler Connect. Uh, if you just do a search for World Schooler Connect, you'll find the, web, the Facebook page. You can find the website. Uh, we have a Twitter account. We have Instagram. We have Pinterest, LinkedIn, all of it. So I think it's uh, if you put in World Schooler Connect, you'll, you'll definitely find me. You can find me on Facebook too, the CJ Singer. Awesome. So before we go, do you have one last tip for digital nomads? For digital nomads, uh, make sure make sure you do your planning ahead of time to make sure you have internet. That that's a huge one, man. Even even if it's like I tend to do my work uh, first thing in the morning, I try to get my work done. I just try to be diligent about it, and then it frees up the rest of my day to like do things that I really am, love to do. Uh, so even if you can just find a good cafe in an area that you're going that has some solid internet, um, that's a key. And there's lots of, there, if you just do some searches online, you'll find, you know, all kinds of, uh, sites that'll rate places and how good the internet is. I think there's one called work from, uh, that I've used a few times and they literally will like give you the cafe name and they'll even like, people will put the password in there to the Wi-Fi for you. So you don't even have to ask anybody and, you know, deal with the language barriers and all that kind of stuff. So there's there's good resources out there and you should use them. Awesome, thank you. That's a brilliant one. Yeah. And that's definitely a big <laughs> problem that I've had. I, I went to Macedonia specifically because the, I found a place there that had good internet connection, so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it all depends on what your job is because like, you know, I, I definitely need decent internet. But I'm not loading up videos and doing vlogging or any of that kind of stuff. I could see that being 
real troublesome in some parts of the world. So just do yeah. your homework ahead of time. Yeah, you don't want to get stuck somewhere and not be able to make money. That would be, that would not be good. That's right. Excellent advice, CJ. Thank you very much. Yep. Thank you no for problem. joining everybody. Uh, this is the Digital Nomad Mastery Podcast. I'm going to get it out sooner or later because I have a whole <laughs> bunch of other ones that I say. You've been listening to the Digital Nomads Mastery Podcast with Ricky Shetty and Scott Patton. Thanks for joining us, everybody. See you next time. Bye-bye. Take care.